This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. I'm your guest host, Chelsea Drinkard, filling in for Jim Brangenberg. Every day we take a different approach to looking at the way you and I think about our faith at work. And if you want to be one of the first to know what's what's next, what's coming up, grab your phone right now, type in iworkforhim.com, click subscribe, and you will see receive a weekly email directly to your inbox. Also, secondly, if you have the podcast app on your phone, search I Work For Him and make sure you receive the show notifications. So obviously, I'm not Jim. <laughs> my voice is a little bit higher than his. So who am I? Um, my name is Chelsea Drinkard. I'm blessed to guest host again for the fifth time on I Work For Him. Last time we actually discussed how can leadership be seen on you. We were drilling down into body language, even what to wear impacts others' perception and our behavior. If you want to listen to more of the shows that we've done in the past, um, go on to I Work For Him, search Chelsea Drinkard, and you'll be check those out there. So today what we're kind of jumping into is Something that I know I personally dealt with a lot um, going into business, graduating college, getting a career. We hear one thing, but we're not sure how to apply this, right? We hear something at the pulpit on Sundays, but what does it look like on on Mondays? So we're talking about how to find purpose in your position. So have you ever found yourself feeling like you lack purpose in your career? Or maybe your career is going great, but you feel like something is missing? Or you want to do something significant and make an impact, but... You don't know how. You want your position to bring glory to God, but you just don't know what exactly to do. Today, like I said, we're talking about how to find purpose in your position. And I have the immense privilege and honor to be interviewing Sean Harper. And Sean is a living proof that a setback is a setup for a comeback. Sean Harper grew up with five siblings, raised with by a single mother in Columbus, Ohio. And despite suffering from four disabilities, a stutter and a lack of support at school, he was determined to fit in and began playing football in high school. Sean's dream began at North Iowa Community College. Graduating with honors, Sean was drafted into the NFL. Sean played for several NFL teams for seven years, including the Indianapolis Colts, raising to fame in the NFL to show Sean is currently the CEO of American Services and Protection in Columbus, Ohio, life coach, author, and world-renowned speaker. From the locker room to the boardroom and everything in between, Sean shares his passion, real experiences, and life le- life lessons to audiences young and old. Sean, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. This is going to be fun. I'm excited, and I'm seriously, I'm still mind blown that you have time in your schedule to spend time with us and talk about this whole purpose and your position thing. I was actually... Um, I have your book, The Winning Edge, Eight Principles That Will Bring Out the Winner in You, and read it a year ago. It was like hitting me with a ton of bricks in my forehead. My head is still throbbing from that, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm still going through, I need to apply this, I need to apply that, and just reading it again, and I know that there's something special for what you do and what you have in your life, and I wanted to get you on here just to to show us how you've kind of even transitioned from from the NFL to a business owner. Tell us more about that process. 
Well, you know what? Before I do that, if it's possible, I just want to address one thing that you mentioned earlier about me being so busy to, you know, to even find time and, and, and what I'm learning and what the Lord is uh, mentoring me and breaking me to is that my agenda is His agenda. And you are on His agenda, you're on my agenda. And so the CEO of the universe has the ability to come in and wreck my schedule anytime He chooses. And guess what? He did that just for you, so this is a blessing. Uh, obviously, He needs me here, and He wants to speak something through me, so let's win. Easy. Um, in reference to me, in my life and making the transition. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, four to five documented learning disabilities, kicked out of a couple of schools because of disciplinary issues, graduating last in my class in academics. I was a 1.62, a cumulative GPA, nine on May CT, voted most likely to fail. But the amazing thing about God is that God rarely calls to qualify, he qualifies to call. And yes. that call was nestled in the form of a seed. And, you know, I love seeds because you can often count the number of seeds in an orange, but you can never count the number of oranges in the seed. And once God places you in situations and circumstances and breaks you to a point to where, you know, you submit certain aspects of your life and the more you grow, you submit more and more, then he begins to pull the CEO out of you. He begins to pull the NFL out of you, you know, because all these things he has planted in you before the foundations of the world. Wow. Wow. That, um, okay. I'm still processing here, taking, taking in everything that you said. How, I guess from a young age, did you ever see yourself or even have a vision of, hey, I could be a CEO? I know, I know the NFL was in high school, you wrote the word NFL above um, your your bed, right, that you want to go into. But from the business side, was that something that was ever stirring in you when you were younger? Uh, yes and no. Uh, more on the no side. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't see that. I didn't see myself becoming or being a CEO. But looking back, hindsight's twenty twenty. I saw the attributes and the potential being developed, um, having the courage to walk alone. They teased me for being a loner. Having the, um, the courage to stand up when everyone else said no, I said yes. When people said yes, I said no, and they tagged that as being rebellious. Mm. Um, and and, and just, just, just these, these, these unique qualities to see um, uh, and to um, envision and to move, you know, God had all of those attributes, although they, although they were mislabeled, um, in me. And at the appointed time, he was able to pull them out. You know, I, I, I have this in you, I have that in you, I have this in you. And you know what, now, now you see what it's for. And that's very important to just hook up with the CEO and have him to just use every aspect of your life the way he designed so tell us more how you went from the NFL to being a business owner. Did you make that immediate jump or were you doing, you know, did you work for somewhere else? Tell us that process. Well, so uh, after, after retiring from the NFL, I had the opportunity to become a partner with 
a security firm. And I was a partner for a few years, and then I got this sudden opportunity to become the sole owner, and that was July 2004. And to be quite honest, I struggled. I struggled a lot because I wasn't cut for the traditional corporate mode. The way I thought was different, the way I processed was different. I'm an athlete. Um, I am, for all intents and purposes, a warrior on the football field. Uh, and then one day, I, the Holy Spirit begin to minister to me, and, and, and he began to say, you know what, you need to look at this different, not from an actual business perspective, but from a winning perspective. I'm sorry, not from a success perspective, but from a winning perspective. And, and, and so then I was able to abolish the success concept and then bring on the winning concept, which I know all about. I've been playing football since the second grade, so corporate America became a football field. And I just mm. began to change, I begin to change the approach. I begin to change the terminology. And what I've learned is that I was becoming extremely successful because <laughs> a lot of CEOs, a lot of executives, um, even in corporate America, it's really based off of a winning model. Like when you have your your actual estimates on your stock prices, and I mean, either A, you're going to um, meet the street, you're going to not meet the street, or you're going to beat the street. That's a win-lose concept. And so that whole mindset of winning, as I begin to infuse it into my business in security and investigations and consulting, everything just went through the roof. Winners look at not what they're going through, but what they're going to. How right. often do we look at what we're going through and ignore what we're going to. We're talking right now with Sean Harper. We're talking about how to w find purpose in your position. Um, that's a quote from his book, The Winning Edge. And if you have not read this book, I don't care if you're a business owner, I don't care if you're entry level, w wherever you fit in, in between in the mix, this book can apply to all areas in your life. So Sean, winners look at what they're going to, not what they're going through. Explain that. So, so <clears throat> it's all about your perspective. And when you go to a football game, you know, <laughs> there's an average of 75 plays, 65, 70 plays that are on offense per game. And every play is not perfect. Every play uh, isn't, you know, a winning catch, a touchdown. There's so much adversity. But one of the secrets I've learned with collegiate and professional athletes is that they have a short memory. That, in other words, in biblical terms, they forget the things that were in the past and they press towards the mark. Their focus is, is always on the end zone. You never see a football player playing the game looking at the opponent's end zone. He's always looking at the end zone. So it doesn't matter what happens. His trajectory or his movement is going forward, whether it's two yards, whether it's 20 yards, whether it's 50 yards. Eventually, he's programmed that his feet, his hands must touch the goal line and cross over to the end zone. It's when you stop and you start having a, a um, myopic mindset. Oh, me, pity. Oh, this is what I'm going through. Or, man, you know what? I'm not going to make it. That's when you slow down. That's when you get distracted. That's when you begin to lose the game is when you lose your focus. If you change your focus to the end zone, you'll change your life. You change your focus to the end zone, you will change your life. 
Wow. That even goes into the whole fact of vision too, right? Yeah, yeah. So so this whole concept of winning and I'm about to get a little controversial, but I Great. believe that I believe that success is a man-made construct. It's something that was invented. We are programmed to win. It's in our DNA to win. This is why we can go to a football game, you know, and if that team is having four or five consecutive winning seasons and championships, you can't find a ticket. But if that same team loses maybe a few seasons in a row, 0-12, 0-13, the stands is empty. Why? Because you cannot identify with losers. And then you go all the way from your childhood. You're looking at games that we played when we were little. They weren't success games. They were win or lose. You know, it was hide and seek. It was, you know what, dodgeball. It's win or lose. All the way back, and, if, and, I, and I don't want to talk about the biology of it all, but, you know, if you're listening to this uh, message, you're one of two or three million cells that made it. Do the math and use your imagination what I'm trying to tell you. So you're a born winner. Just the fact that you're listening to me right now means that you are a winner and you're attracted to winners and you identify with winners. And so bring that out. Around the third or fourth grade, however, about the time you realize that Santa Claus is not real, a new concept is introduced and that concept is called success. And then the world system tells you you have to make a certain amount of money to be successful, you have to live a certain lifestyle to be successful, do certain things to be successful, and that kills it. So let's now, let's just use that from a biblical perspective. Is John, was, was, was John the Baptist successful then? No. Hmm. Half the prophets or most of the prophets? No. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about how he is running the race. He got it. We need to get that. So let me ask you this. With We're talking about finding purpose in your position. So how can playing from a winning mindset versus a success mindset help you identify that purpose? Playing from a winning mindset, from a success mindset, well, once you begin to play with a winning mindset, as an, as, as an actual believer, you realize that the game is already won. Mm, okay. Yeah. Okay. I win. So if I'm on if I'm on a roller coaster and I'm 300 feet in the air and I know it's just a ride, I can enjoy it. If I'm 300 feet in the air and I don't know what's about to happen, I'm scared, man. <laughs> and so and so I am up there 300 feet and I know how the book ends. I know how the game ends so I can enjoy it. Going back though is that my win is solidified in my identity in Christ Jesus and that gives me the number one position as a son or in some cases or people who are listening as 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 a daughter of God and from that identity comes your position to uh, Matthew 28 to seek and save you know you know the lost the great commission to exude the kingdom and so whatever position that you get into naturally that comes through that original position as a son and daughter of God and that is where your purpose is what okay that last part right there of we, there's a verse um, out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks and I remember Something in, that you read um, talked about if you want to change your external, change your you want to 
change your internal. So from your internal, the manifestation is in the external. So if someone is someone is saying, "Hell, oh, I'm I'm just really struggling in my career right now. I'm frustrated here. Um, maybe my my I'm actually really doing well. Like I keep getting hired and promoted, but I'm still struggling. I'm not happy." Um, how does how does the position of who they are and their identity play a role in that? Because because it, because it goes back to your original identity. Your earthly position is not your true identity. Your earthly position is not even your true position. Your true position is that you're a son or a daughter of God. You are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And so whatever position I move into, like a hand into a glove, I occupy that. But I have to be able to distinguish myself from what I do versus who I am. And so if I'm not happy in a, if I'm not happy in a particular role or position, then something is wrong with my original position. Because my original position as a son or daughter of God is thinking, seeking and thinking, how can I manifest Christ in whatever I do, whether I'm a janitor, whether I'm a judge, whether I'm a CEO, whatever I am, Lord, here is my position. And so now flow through my original position that you will manifest the kingdom today, now. Whether grace, whether love, whether patience, whether forgiveness, I, I submit my natural position to you. In the book of Jeremiah, it talks about, think about this. He said, before the foundations of the world, I knew you. Yes. That is identity. And then he said, before you were born, before you were born, I gave you your title and your position. Now, as a prophet, you will serve me through your identity to the prophet, to the world. So how do we take that initial position and purpose that God has for us and make sure we're not putting the value and the focus on our natural, right? So say I'm I'm a CFO, say our natural position, right? Say I'm in commercial real estate. How do we make sure we're focusing on his position and purpose and not what our job description says? That, honestly, that's a fight. I mean, I could get all like spiritual minded and say, you know, you know, great words. No, listen, that, <laughs> that, that is, that is, that is the battle because the workplace, the workplace is where most of the um, effective ministry is. See, I'm at church one day a week. I'm at church 90 minutes on Sunday. I'm in, I'm in the workplace five days a week, eight to nine hours a day. Do you know how many people I come in contact with? Do you know how many people that have an opportunity to see Christ, not hear about Christ, not hear scriptures, but see Christ exude from you? That's huge. And so that's where the battle is. And so to answer that question, to be really honest, it takes a lot of fellowship, and it takes a lot of seeking Christ, staying in his presence, staying in prayer, staying in that word. You have to, you have to stay charged up. You have to be prepared for that because that's a tough battle. That is a battle. And I going back to what you said before of you were built as a warrior and we're a warrior in the NFL and how you brought that into the corporate realm. But at the same time, 
as a believer in Christ, like we are warriors. If you think about the Bible, the Bible is full of wars and battles and talking about overcoming. And, and like you mentioned, Peter, he's um, Paul running the race that we're, there's always this war mentality, this winning mentality. I'm, I'm thinking of the Bible right now of all these mentalities that we kind of seem to miss or forget. So Sean, tell us more how you personally um, apply your position and identity in Christ in your everyday life? Well, um, my day starts earlier than most. I'm up sometimes around uh, 3.45, 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'm on my face, and I'm praying, and I'm flushing. Um, maybe there's something I was angry about or being being offended about, and just just really positioning myself. Um, one of the keys to any form of position is that you have to have submission. Before you can have power in your position, you have to have you have to have submission. And everybody, every position is submitted to somebody. Okay, and so I have to align myself and and. and just get in proper position, and then I start praying. And I start talking to my Father in Heaven, shutting up, letting my Father in Heaven speak to me. There's a lot of direction. There's a lot of correction. And then as I begin to move throughout the day, I begin to move with that purpose or with that actual intent in mind. And I'm like, okay, Lord, here's my company. Here's all of my employees. Here's all of my clients. Here's all of the people that I come in contact with probably – in about a week, here's my time. Use it for your agenda. Use it for your will. Use it for your purpose. And not to be really honest, sometimes he has me doing some crazy things, <laughs> things that are totally, totally unorthodox. Like maybe I'm walking down the street and, and I just put the Lord say, give that man $100. Or I'm, I'm in the office and there's someone who deserves to be fired or terminated. And the Lord is like, do not terminate him. Mm-hmm. Or the exact opposite. I have the I mean, the, the la creme de la creme, the <laughs> best perspective employee possible. I'm like, you are so hired. And then, you know what? The CEO is like, he's not the one. I'm like, oh, my God, please. I didn't just hear that from you. Lord. <laughs> yes. Do not hire. You know, this is what it all comes down to. Our God is a master chef, and he is building a cake for the world to eat of. And we are all ingredients. Some of us are flour. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's vanilla extract. Maybe it's eggs, you know, sugar. And throughout the day, he is asking us as ingredients to pour a little bit of ourselves, or pour a lot of it of ourselves, or don't pour anything at all. But at the end of the day, the world's hungry, and our job is to give them the cake. Whether we work a position or whether we are a CEO, we are a particular ingredient on that particular. Day. So our God is a master chef. That is, I have never heard that analogy before, but that really gives such a good word picture of you're thinking of baking a cake or you're baking something. The chef has all these ingredients and knows exactly how much of something, when it needs to be used, how it or we need to be used, to what extent for the amount of time it needs to be used, what season it needs to be in. Um, I'm just thinking of all, all the ways that 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 can that can apply in our daily lives. Or, so the verse that popped into my head was, um, I'm the vine, you are the branches. 
remain in me and I'll remain in you. And I just had this conversation with someone the other day of, okay, well, I'm in this transition in my career right now, but I want to do what God wants me to do. But how do I know? How do I know I'm doing the right thing? How do I know if I'm seeking the right career? How do I know if I'm supposed to leave this career right now? What would you say to that person? I would say that stop, stop questioning and keep seeking. Keep seeking God. Dig deeper. Dig deep. I mean, if you've got to fast, fast. If you've got to take, turn off the social media, ex, excommunicate yourself from the world system as much as possible and listen and listen and listen. And then what I do often, um, people might agree and they might not agree, is that I have a few trusted people. I have a few trusted people that I know hear from God. Because to be honest, sometimes when you're in the middle of it all, it's really hard to hear because, you know, you have your emotions, you know, you have mm. your thoughts, you have your flesh. <laughs> and so, you know, what I, there is, and one, of the, and, and, and one of the individuals is my sister. And sometimes at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning, she's up praying. She texts me, I'm up praying, yeah, I'm up praying too. And I shoot a question out to, to, this, uh, to my sister and to another individual and to another individual uh, just because I'm seeking actual confirmation. You know? So, so I, have, I have a team of people that I not only pray, but I have other people pray with me on the same subject as well. That even reminds me of just if you think about from a, a business perspective structure, you have your trusted advisors, you have your board, you have those around you and handling. We always, so being, I found Christian Businesswomen's Connection here in Tampa Bay like four years ago. And my heart was, I want to encourage women, equip women to be leaders, grow their influence in the marketplace to point others to our Heavenly Father. So how, how do we do that? How are we partnering with Christ and Bridging that gap of church on Sundays to Monday mornings. How do we bridge that gap? How do we ply our faith? How do we live out our faith in a daily basis? And I think one in Sean, you just did the perfect example of that. You treat your spiritual life with the same structure, with the same perseverance um, as you do in your in your career and your business with the same professionalism, if you will. You have you don't just, oh, I'm going to pray for five minutes and try to hope I can figure it out. And like, all right, Lord, I can't hear you. Oh, I don't, I don't know who's will. But no, you're seeking. It's a professional level of effort to know yeah. his uh, will. Yeah. So, um, um, uh, look, at, look at the characters or the people that were in the Bible. You know, the, the Apostle Paul was a tent maker. Okay, uh, and um, David was a king. Moses, all of these men, and there were women. They all had positions. They all had occupations, but they allowed their relationship with God, who they were in Christ or in God, to infuse in their through their through their through their position and that they were able to hear and to execute uh, not so much from their position as 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 they are working but who they are are in Christ and so that constant fellowship that constant communion that constant communication was essential and, and so that that is wow that is something that is um 
that is something that is required as you move forward, as you grow, as you mature in Christ, is that you fight for that fellowship. You fight for that one-on-one communication and intimate time with Christ, and your decisions will come a whole heck of a lot easier. So how can churches, so, you know, a lot of, if you're listening, you might go to a church, you might have straight away from a church, or you've, we've had this um, conceptions of sometimes we go to church, we don't understand what the pastor's saying. I'm like, okay, great. How do I apply this to my life? I know I struggled with that. And honestly, until I picked up this book called Spirit Driven Success mm-hmm. by Danny Johnson, I didn't, I just had, I had two different, it was almost two different lives in my brain. Okay, church, how do you apply it? What does it look like? So how can, as a church, um, the, the body of Christ, and where we go to worship on Sundays, how can they partner with business owners to be even more effective in reaching out to the lost? Wow, that is a great question. I think what needs to happen first, before that can happen, is that the church and the business world needs to align. And it's not what you think. When I'm speaking of alignment, it's the church that needs to shift. The church, from what I can see, this is just my opinion overall, not a particular church, but the church overall in the United States Western, is is what I call an inflow, which means that everything flows to the church. You come to the church to get saved. You bring your tithes to the church. Um, uh, everything happens, you know, on that 90-minute or maybe uh, two hours on Sunday morning, there's an actual program structure. Um, everything is structured. You play three songs. You get a you know up-tempo song, medium song, slow <laughs> song. There's a system there. Okay, mm-hmm. now, what we need to do is take that and turn it into an outflow. And say, okay, Lord, how can you flow through us? It's not just outreach. The entire church is built and predicated off of outreach. Now there's now the way they see and the way they view things change. So now they're looking at the business and how can our church outreach through your business, which is all about outreach and connecting and networking and talking to empower you to uh, fulfill the Great Commission. So one is flowing inward and the other one is flowing outward. So another church has to change the polarities and flow outward and then it will look at the business and business owners with a different light to say, hey, how can we partner to expand our influence? I'm fist pumping right now listening to you. I'm just fist pumping. That's so good, though. That's such... I... Yes. Yes. And I think that when we've... You know, we all hear, oh, well, churches... There's churches that are closing. There's... And this is not me obviously meant to bash the church anyway. I go to church every Sunday. But as me, so as me as someone in the church, as individuals who go to a church, how can we... um, What can we do? You know, how can we say, hey, well, how can we make this out outflow, right? Because if it doesn't right. come from the people, then how can we direct what, you know, our church is going to? And what examples in the Bible, um, or even how, actually how you did in your life, where you've been able to partner with Christ in, in the position, how he's used your influence? Um, I've been blessed to do a ton of events. I do a lot of school assemblies and I do a lot of corporate events. 
And then at the end of the program, people would walk up to me and they'll say the most craziest things like, you know, I see God all over you. I, there is something about what you said that has changed my life, which is such a great testimony because, to be honest, people are sick of hearing about God. I mean, I mean think about how many Christian radio stations and how many Christian TV stations and internets and blogs and this God, this whole God brand is everywhere. Everyone is hearing about God, but no one is seeing God. And to be on the stage in front of five or six hundred executives and someone raise their hand like, you know, what, it is, what is it about you? Is it your faith? Please expand. And I'm like, wow, I get a chance to share my faith. Now, I respect their version of separation, but that question comes out. Um, and that honestly was spurred on uh, years ago when I was playing football um, in NFL Europe. And I was playing uh, in probably one of the most interesting places in the world. It was called Amsterdam, Holland, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm playing football in Amsterdam, Holland. And I have this young quarterback. I've never heard of this guy, right? And he elevated to become the starting quarterback. But he was able to share and shine his faith in one of the most interesting places on the planet Earth. I mean, he would be out there witnessing on his off days. And, you know, to be really honest, I mean, I loved the Lord and, you know, I was a Christian, you know, but I wasn't as bold as this guy was. And and one of the things I learned was is that the darker the night, the brighter the light. And this guy who shared Christ everywhere in Amsterdam is really, really interesting. Um, and And the Lord promoted him for that, I believe. And he became the Super Bowl Super Bowl MVP and his name was Kirk Warner. Wow. And when I saw him rise and how the Lord used and is continually using him, I said to myself, I first I had to repent. Mm, and then yeah. I said, God, I want that. I said, so wherever I'm at, whether I'm the CEO or whether I'm an executive, in whatever position, I'm going to submit it over to you and that allow you to flow through me in any any capacity necessary. And so, uh, but almost every example, I mean, there weren't a lot of preachers. In fact, there were no preachers in the Bible. So everyone right. had actual, <laughs> Everyone had an, you know, everyone had a title. The person was a king. The person had sheep, or the person had flocks. The person was a tent maker. The person was an architect. Person, was, you know, everyone had 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 a position. But the Bible focuses on their first position as a son, a daughter of God, Queen Esther. She was a queen. That was her position. But her original position was a daughter of God, and He used that position to further His agenda. Being faithful with a little and you'll be ruler over much. And a practical example, if you think about children, if you give them a toy and like, oh, mom, this is the worst. I'm already bored with this. The parents aren't going to get them another toy. And it's and if they break it already, they're not going to buy them something else. And it's the same thing with with God, our father. He is our father. Hey, if you can manage this little group right here. So if, say I'm just I work nine to five. I don't report anyone. I've. I don't have anyone that reports to me. It's just me. How can I make a difference? Me individually. Maybe it's the person on your cubicle to your right. Maybe it's the vendor that comes into the office of the paperwork that you sign for. It's that one person. So as we're faithful with the sphere of influence that he's put around us, then he will continue to grow our influence to more lives that we can impact. And I know personally, that's something that I, I had to learn too of. Okay, Lord, I have this 
I want to make an impact. If I'm not making an impact, I don't want to do it. There's more to life than just going to work. And yeah, you can make a lot of money. That's great. But it's still empty in the end. I want to make an impact, but I'm not there yet. I'm not, I'm not Sean Harper. I, I didn't play in the NFL for seven years. But what can I do now? And I think going back to like the laws of the Bible and his principles of success are, hey, be faithful with what you have in front of you and it'll continue to grow. And as it grows and grows and grows, he'll give you more opportunities, more ways to share your faith. It's the one person at Starbucks, just buy their drink for them and say, give them a smile, right? The, the practical ways to yeah. live out your faith. But when you said this, People don't want to hear God. They want to hear about God. They want to see God on you. I think that's the ultimate way of being a beacon, a beacon of light and a, on the hill for others, pointing others to him by what they see on us. You can talk all day long. We all have that person in our life who would do as I say, not as I do. That's junk. Right. No, no one's going to follow that. But if, if, if you're provoked, I'm provoked to ask you, what's different with that about you? There's something different here. What is this? Because there's something different here, then that opens the floodgates to where you can share your faith in business. Yes, yes, especially in business because there's so much. And man, you know what? I'm bummed I didn't have really have have a chance to really talk about. You know, walking out your faith in corporate America. There, man, it's tough. It is. It is. It is really, really tough because there are. You know, there are rules and there are laws, okay? So what I've learned is that, you know, you can maybe bend the rules, but you never break the laws. You know, the spiritual laws are there. And, and you know, maybe not laughing at a joke that's, you know, kind of offensive. Maybe uh, there's the... There's the and there's the employee that you know will be terminated in like 60 days, and you don't want to be associated with that person, but the Holy Spirit's like, befriend him or her. Go over to them. Show them compassion. Um, or or networking at certain places where you know you shouldn't go. The Holy Spirit's like, you know, you don't have to play that game. You don't have to play the smooth game. You don't have to, you know, uh, get in and out and, you know, snitch and tail. And, you know, no, no. You are a son. You are the thermostat, not the thermometer. Okay? You live by my principles, you abide by my principles, they will come and attack you, they will push against you. But if you stand here, okay, it will exude through you and I will win. Now, it might not be the way you want to win, but guess what? In the end, you win as well. That's hard. But by faith, by prayer, by submission, wow, that's what we're called to do. What are a couple ways of living out your faith in business that you would recommend to someone or even how you living this lifestyle that you just talked about where they might say something differently. We're called to a different standard to operate in our business and, and with other colleagues, with other vendors, with potential clients, how, what are, what are, how have you, how have you managed those waters? Wow. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm not perfect. I struggle in this often. But I endeavor to live my life with in, in integrity and in truth. You can have facts but still not have the truth. I want to live in truth, and I want to walk in truth. I want to walk in total integrity as much as possible, and that's my prayer. And so I naturally come up against obstacles, but you know what? I listen to the Holy Spirit. I listen to what the Lord tells me to do, and I move in that. And so I, I am, um, I do come up against a lot of 
opposition because what they say, what you should do is, you know what, the Holy Spirit's telling me to do something totally different. This is how I'm going to act. I'm going to act accordingly to what the Word says and what He tells me to do. And that flies in the face of a lot of business practices, books, and ethics. But you know what? I'm the thermostat, not the thermometer. So what is a small example of when you've had, you've shared your faith and you experienced pushback? I have been in situations where I'm going for a very large bid. It is a very large bid. And I'm sitting at the table and I'm feeling and I'm hearing the CEO say, share your faith. I'm like, this is not the time, God. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, I need you to do that right now. Or often what he says to me is, I need you to pray for this person. I'm like, Mm -hmm. Lord, I am being towed off by a client. Pray for him. You have no idea what this person's going through. And I'll start praying. The person just breaks down and starts crying right there on the spot. Or I have a situation where I've hired an actual employee, and I know that they have a um, a um, anti God stance, mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 the CEO is like, share your faith. I'm like, Lord, I can get in trouble for this. This could turn into a potential form of litigation. He said, share your faith. If you do it the right way, you're fine. And um, I'm I'm just obedient because at the end of the day, it's his. If you have nothing, you have nothing to lose. Wow. Sean, thank you so much for sharing your faith with us today and how you live out your faith on a daily life and the opposition that you face and how you overcome it. And to anyone, I know if you're you're listening, I know we've all we've all thought that how do I share my faith? How do I find purpose in my position? So thank you again and, and one more time I just want to say this book, The Winning Edge by Sean Harper. <laughs> you have to check it out. His website is seanharper.org. Check out his website. You can get him to speak in your organization there, too. My name is Chelsea, Chelsea Drinkard. I've been the guest host for Jim Brangenberg on I Work For Him. Thank you so much. Go to our website, iworkforhim.com. Click Join Our Nation and join arms with our community. Have a great day.